Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Gurkha Cigar Studio in beautiful British Columbia, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Mitchell Santaga. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I am joined once again by my friend north of the border, also of SmokinTobacco.com, Mr. Mitchell Santaga in the Gurkha Cigar Studios. Mitchell, how are you? You know, I'm doing good. It's uh, It's been, what, two weeks since I've been on the show? That's right. I forgot about that. Weeks ago, a little bit of a sickness. And last week, uh, Oofy wanted to come in on a specific day, so we, we made some scheduling changes just to, we to, did. to accommodate for him uh, to come in last minute for us. So, There's not many people yeah, I do that been, for, uh, but, you know, Matt's always been a trooper on this show, so I had to, I had to give it's, it to him. And it's always a fun show, so... Um, You're just lucky yeah, you weren't there uh, for that because he would have eaten you alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you can always, if you always want to see that action where Matt Booth eats me alive, you can always go check out our YouTube and watch the uh, the PCA interview. <laughs> that was uh, that was I, more of an interview with me than an interview with him. Watch the Smoking Tobacco Show. Eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. Smoke Room 101. Yeah, never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it in. Gotta yeah. Get it in. Yeah. No, I no, know. But, uh, yeah. So it's been, uh, and I haven't, like, obviously I was sick, so I actually haven't been able to enjoy too many cigars. I've just, uh, I think this week actually is the first time I've had one in almost like a week and a half, two weeks. It's just I feel been... like everyone's getting sick right now. Yeah. This October, man, it's been tough. So we were all fair. Um, everyone at work is sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that time of the year. I'm glad to be. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for this show. Fun to be back. It's gonna be a good and, one. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, this uh, this guest has such a such great past in the industry and uh, just doing such you know revolutionary things in terms of tobacco and and uh, well, really pushing I, the boundaries. Yeah, and, and his family's got a, a pretty uh, storied past in the business too. I mean, they've, they've been around a long time. Um, you know, his father, his brother, also in the business. Um, yep. Known for a lot of the tobacco they grow down in Honduras. Um, he's been on this show before. Um, and then actually, I think his brother's coming on in like three weeks. So it's going to be uh, quite quite, quite the month on this show for this family. So uh, without further ado, welcoming back to the Smoking Tobacco Show. It's none other than Christian Aroa of CLE in Asylum Cigars. Christian, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? We're doing great, doing great. Just excited to be here tonight with you, um, smoking cigars and and catching up with you. I mean, you uh, you guys have kept pretty busy the last couple of years. Oh yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, man. Since um, you know, at per- first we started 2012. First we were busy the first I don't know six seven years, and then when 2019 started looking a little normal, 2020 uh, hit us with a huge uh, huge surprise, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 20 started again. <laughs> and it's actually just been the U.S. has been worldwide. Right. This uh, because everything kind of came together at the same time, especially when when Imperial sold out that was off to that that, that group that everybody assumes is the Chinese group. A uh, it really changed their Euro- European landscape for us. So it's been really a crazy time. Yeah, the last four years for us. Now, as an industry company as well. Yeah, no, it's 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 been the last couple of years have definitely been interesting to say the least <laughs> um for, for some more than others obviously um you know and and you brought up a lot of good points especially with the european market the asian markets we've we've watched we've talked on this show and the other show a bunch of times just about how things have changed 
um, because of the pandemic, not because of the pandemic, all sorts of reasons. Um, but yeah, the game I feel is different, but, um, but yet, you know, everyone's for the most part still here. Um, to the point of international market, you know, being up here in Canada, obviously you mentioned Cuban cigars. Yep. Uh, it's, it's actually, you know, for the folks up here, like all my friends who are really heavy into Cubans. And like you said, in the last three or four years, a lot of them have really, um, been diving into new world cigars or just non-Cuban cigars and without fail, almost i'd say nine out of ten of them if i say start with something honduran to transition yourself from cuban to you know maybe non-cuban stuff um especially anything coming out of aroa farms with that with that cuban seed nine times out of ten they go wow this is actually very they don't even they don't necessarily word the word use the word Cubanesque, but they're like, I really like this. They're like, it's different, but I really like this. Whereas sometimes if you go into the Nicaraguan, it, it tends to be too peppery and spicy and strong for them. But uh, a lot of them have really enjoyed anything in terms of uh, from the Aurora Farms that I've been pointing them towards. So, yeah, thank you. And Europe, what we find is not just Europe. When I say Europe, I actually mean Africa and, and Asia and the Middle East. There's a very clear divide, right? And the line is pretty much an age. So let's say that age is 62. So anybody 62 and up, they will most most often almost exclusively smoke Cubans. And anybody below that age, basically, especially 26 to 36 to 26 to 40, they find I find these people, men and women, uh, tasting cigars from different origins. I think two things came into play. Obviously, social media. We were able to reach so many people via social media and uh, and reach and bang per buck. People want to make sure that they get their money's worth for their products. And I think actually, if you get a third, if I were to add a third one, I think the younger smokers, by younger, I mean in 20s, late 20s and 30s, right? But I don't think these guys were ever welcome in regular cigar stores before in these cigar lounges in Europe because you know, they tend to be mostly for older guys and crusty old guys that would hang out there. So there really was a, uh, a tremendous shift and the social aspect of smoking cigars and the average age is different and the way information is being absorbed is, is absolutely different as well. And yeah, and, and you're right. This Honduran tobacco first began to become popular and after the, the, when the Cuban embargo was established, when guys like my father were sent down there by Angel Oliva, not the cigar people, but the tobacco people, and a gentleman named Tino Argudin, who was who, who Fidel had put in charge of all the... Um, over the Cuban tobacco plantations. So it, it was uh, Tino Gulin, the guy, the stories you hear about the tobacco, the, the tobacco seeds and the coffee cans, it was Tino who did that. So that, that's, the, that's, that's patient zero. They're taking the seed out there. And when they were growing that tobacco and when they started tasting that tobacco, Angel Oliva decided that that was the tobacco that was closest to Cuban. And not as a compliment to, to Honduran tobacco, but really he, he was thinking he was a pragmatist, right? So he was, all right, how do I replace the blends from our, our, our cigar, our, our, the machine factories that were all, all up in Tampa? How to replace the, the Cuban tobacco with something that their customers won't feel? And Honduran tobacco is the one that they used. So we use all the traditional Cuban seeds in Honduras for many, many years, just that Honduras is a very boring country for many years as far as entertaining entertainment value. You know, Dominicans are a lot more fun, and Nicaragua, of course, you know, very, very interesting as well. Honduras has always been very uh, 
They say Honduras have always been very introverted. That's mm. a very interesting way of putting it. Um, I like I like or what I meant to say was I like the way that you kind of explained that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, thank you. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, there's a couple of things we needed to do. Not to be so abrupt, but I just don't want to forget them because I know that this conversation can take off and go forever away um and i don't, I don't want to go too far so a couple of things first uh christian are you are you smoking a cigar with us tonight i'm no. not smoking a cigar with you guys tonight okay. i'm actually indoor because it's, it's raining like crazy it's cats and dogs in miami we're getting some cold front to the end tomorrow so all i right. can't be outside all righty that that's that's fair enough but i just want to make sure that i uh i included you if you were but since you're not mitch i'll let you go first and then i'll follow up but it's time for our cigars and i brought to you by two guys cigars.com that's right the number two GuysCigars.com. If you head over there, you'll find an amazing selection of all the Aroa CLE and Asylum cigars. I'm pretty sure they carry every SKU. Christian, you'd probably know. Um, but I know that they've they've always been a big supporter of you guys. So you can probably – pretty much almost everything I think that they make, you can find at the number two GuysCigars.com. In addition to hundreds and hundreds of other amazing brands of cigars and cigar accessories from the cigar industry, only at the number two GuysCigars.com. Mitchell, I'll let you go first. Let us know what you're smoking tonight. So I've got the CLE PCA Exclusive 2023. And this has... I just wanted to keep the packaging on because I thought the blue was beautiful and unique. And uh, again, as we kind of talked about previously before we went on the show, um, CLE, one of the few brands that uh, doesn't use cellophane but often will wrap and uh, protect their, their cigars in tissue paper. So it's always... Like texturally, just beautiful. It's natural, and uh, it's easy to slide right off. And uh, yeah, there's a beautiful uh, Ecuadorian shade wrapper right underneath here that I'll light up. What are you smoking, Matt? I am smoking the Asylum 13 Pandemonium in the uh, 8.5 by 60 size, which happens to be one of my favorite cigars. And... I haven't smoked one in a while, and I was looking for my cigars for tonight, and I saw this one in the drawer, and I was like, wow, you know, I've had these for a while. I should definitely smoke this, and I pulled it out, and the white, the nice white tissue paper that was on there was actually starting to turn a nice brown. So this this, this cigar has been resting for quite a while, um, so I was very excited to see how it smoked. I've had these for at least two years. I don't know if long, at least two, though. And I have to say, uh, it's smoking great and it tastes amazing. I mean, this cigar is fantastic. Even such a big format, it's it's a great cigar. It really is. You know what's impressive about those wrappers? The the um, the reason that, I mean, there's no reason why that tissue should turn so quickly in a normal cigar is just that that wrapper is so rich, man. It's very very oily. Oh yeah. I'm very impressed in that wrapper when we first started dealing with it. I, I enjoyed I enjoy that cigar a lot. It has a lot of body to it. You know, the Pandemonium is one of those cigars that, if you know cigars, you've tried it. So we're trying to get more and more stores to introduce it to to customers because the value in it's right. They're all eight and a half inch cigars. They're all long. So they're all three hour cigars. When you think about the cost of cigars today, you want a cigar that's going to last you three or four hours. Because, you know, if, if it's, I don't know what the retail price of different tax, different taxes is different, right? But when you're paying something in the, in the low teens or whatever, you want to make sure that you get your money's worth. So that one, uh, each one of the pandemoniums gives you at least three hours. I've never measured it, but I'm pretty sure it's at least three hours to smoke. And then the other, the CLE, the one you're smoking. You know, we did, the, we started these exclusives at the trade show a couple of years ago. 
because we wanted to reward the customers that were coming to the trade show. You know, 2018, 2019, the trade show was kind of slowing down. And it was a trend that was coming 10 years and past. So when we finally did the trade show in 2021, after the COVID year, we took a, you know, we couldn't have the trade show during 2020. It, it, it was something that happened organic. A lot of us started making these exclusive cigars just for the trade show, just for customers that came to the trade show. And I think 99% of us respected that. So those cigars are only given to people that go to the trade show. So we change it every year. So this is the third third, third series. And first year we do a one one for CLE. We've always done for Aido and Asylum. And for some reason, which I've completely missed the last 12 years of this company, everybody always assumed that CLE, the color for CLE was blue. All my salespeople, this guy works in the office, Rupert, the marketing, everybody. It's just me. I, I can't believe I completely missed it. So uh, anyway, so CLE, I guess, is the color for CLE is blue. And some people like to joke and call it the uh, It's a Boy Cigar. But anyway, that cigar is fantastic. It, it's, uh, that Connecticut wrapper is, is the best from Ecuador, grown by the guys at ASP. That cigar has a lot of body and very creamy. And I'm, I'm glad you're actually trying it. And when you match it with the way we pack the tissue and the way we make the boxes for the smell of the cigar and so the cigars marry each other inside the box, I think you can get a whole different experience from any other Connecticut that you may have tried before. Yeah, right off the bat, um, I was actually going to say right away that the body off this was, you know, whenever you see shade, you're always kind of going in, is this going to be really light? Is this going to, what it's going to be? But the, the body is very forward. There's a nice kind of fruitiness to it. There's kind of this uh, underlying pepper spice breadiness. I always tend to get breadiness off of stuff from Honduras. Um, I think you have binder and fillers as undisclosed, but uh, assuming that there is at least some Honduran tobacco in here. But um, yeah, really, really nice right off, right off light up. Um, a little, a little bit, uh, just straight, straight medium. I would say straight medium, but a nice body to it. Are you doing the retro hill? Because I really can't tell from from the uh, the image. Yeah, the retro is nice. There's, there's no sting at all on the retro. A little bit more of that bready note, and actually, I'd say even a little bit more of that. Uh, the sweetness comes through on the retro. Oh yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I like those cigars a lot. I like I like working with it. And, uh, you know, we, we make that – it's a different blend every year. We can't continue these blends. We usually only make about twenty or 30,000 cigars. I think we only did 30,000 of that one this year. And uh, But but I enjoy it, man. It's a lot of fun for me. It's, it's very hard for us to have the opportunity to create that much anymore because you got to come out with a cigar and it has to be – always has to be the same cigar, right? It has to maintain, be consistent. So, And you can't be launching any, any new brand every two or three, two or three months. So the PCA is something I have a lot of fun blending and coming up with every single year because it allows us to to really experiment with new things and, and stretch our legs out and have fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember visiting the booth and was it actually, no, not PCA. It was TPE. It was, yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was TPE. Uh, and I remember you guys at the time were showcasing you had repackaged a lot of your cigars and it was just the asylum right Mm -hmm. yeah i wasn't i couldn't remember if it was cle2 but i remember definitely asylum and i remember you know you talk about the colors and you're looking at that one specifically too that kind of backpedal a little bit and but i just i wanted to point this out because i it's something that i've just out of everything i've seen all year you know both the shows and just stuff that comes out um the packaging you guys have been doing has been really nice and i like how 
you've kept it simple. I like the colors you use. I like how the colors you guys use pop. The boxes pop. Um, the bands pop. It's very identifiable. And we talk a lot about packaging. On this show, on the, on the Spare Note show, we talk about, you know, who does what. If you heard the last Spare Note show, you heard Coop go on his rant um, against Matt Booth in general on uh, <laughs> some of their packaging. And then with the show before that, he complained about, <laughs> again, General and Sancho Panzer and all that packaging. Uh, so we talk a lot about packaging on our shows. But I will say, as much as we talk about or other people talk about, you know, the things that they don't like. I like to try to take the time to talk about the things I do like. And I think that what you guys have done at CLE, especially in the last year, has been really fantastic. And it's just the right balance of, like, the right colors, the right designs. You know, like Mitch has been pointing out, you guys mostly just tissue paper your cigars. So, obviously, that gets incorporated into it. The way, you know, the whole presentation of the cigar you know, inside the box. Um, I just think it's it's some of the best packaging that I've seen, especially with the updated stuff you guys did with Asylum, like I said. Um, and I think it's, you know, obviously the cigars are, are great too and that's a separate conversation, but at least on that part of it, I think you guys do some of the best job and I really like where you've been going with that the last couple of years. Hey, thanks. You know, you know I don't disagree with Coop, man. I mean, not, not talking about general. <laughs> of course. So I'm going to talk about packaging. And what drives me crazy, bro, it just drives me up a wall just to see a cigar store when they take the cigar box and they tear the lid off. Jeez, dude, it drives me crazy because if they only knew all the work that goes into it, not only just making it, but designing it and coming up and getting the wood and, and the trucks and the kiln and everything that we have, have everything. Yeah. This was not tear the box. It really is. It's sad. It drives me crazy. But, you know, this is, you know, if I, if I suffer from multi-personality disorder, which I, I think I probably do, but it's packaging is one of those big things because I, I'm two people at the same time. I want super fancy, but I also want simple. And I'm a traditionalist, and I like cigars to be packed in simple boxes. But then, you know, there's always that part of you that sees something real nice someplace, and, uh, oh, man, that's packaged real nice. Like I've seen one time the champagne, that, you know, the widow, the vove. I saw a beautiful packaging one time and, and came up with a concept. Didn't work in the market, so it's just one of those things that <laughs> completely flopped. But it was real cool. But I see these. I see a lot of these boxes, and they're attractive. But the way things have progressed in the last twenty-five years in our business, and, and we forget, you know, boxes used to cost two, three dollars a box. Boxes now are costing seven dollars to twenty-five dollars a box. When you put that to the cigar, and you put the cigar goes through through the grinder, you know, that puts two or three or four dollars worth of pressure on the cigar, on the price. So you, you're you're always faced with this dilemma. You don't know how to do it right, or you don't know what the right right thing is. I like simple designs. You know, the, these new uh, asylum packaging, the one that you were talking about that you saw, that was all de designed by this kid, uh, uh, Raul Flores. He, he was with our marketing team for a while. He's no longer with us. And Tom Lazuka, they designed all that. They surprised me with it. I thought it was awesome. You know, we had the original asylum boxes were terrible. They were hideous. And we had to make those boxes because when we started the company in 2012, the people that make the, uh, the hinges for us, the hinge machine, they were delayed eight months. And so I had to come up with these boxes that, that the lid could just pop up, make everything simple for us. And we even made it so that those lids, you could turn them around and, and they turn into a tray for the stores, which not many people use, but at least one or two stores did, <laughs> two, one of those two stores did. So then we, we went ahead and we switched to the new color boxes, which I like a lot. I think they're beautiful. Uh, they make a big difference and they also help our, our retail stores and how, how to display the product out there. 
But yeah, man, Coop's not crazy in talking about packaging because it does make a difference. It makes a big difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we spend so much time talking about, you know, wrapper binder filler um, and getting into the tobacco and stuff, which is important. And I'm not, I'm not watering that down. But the packaging aspect, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I have, and I know Mitchell has, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be in these conversations with manufacturers constantly and, and understand. And I, I've visited factories, you know, so I've seen the process and, you know, the, the, the whole packaging aspect, whether it's the design, the assembly, the, the putting together and just, it, it's, it's a huge part of the production. It's a huge part of the cost. And I would say that there's a, a uh, yeah, I would. There's a lot of time that goes into the, the design and the thinking of it and to putting it together, because ultimately, you know, it's not just the cigars. You know, another thing, you know, Coop likes to talk about, you know, the craft paper bundles. That you know, I agree. I don't think that you know that just the brown paper. It's you know, on especially on certain cigars, it's it's a little too little too watered down. But you know, again, those cigars are presented. You know, when you, when you have a nice box of cigars, and you open that box, you, and you see it, and you open you open the lid, and you see the cigars laid inside, and all the bands are right, or the tissue or whatever, the secondary band, or the foot band, they're all in there, all lined up. It's not easy, and we've talked about banding too. And there was you know some banding com- comments that we we at Smoking Tobacco dealt with the last couple of weeks, but that some people didn't like. But that's okay. Um, but no, I mean that banding process. I mean alone, I, I was having this conversation with the guys and and with with some other people, and you know even just you know the rollers in the factory that that put the that put the bands on the cigars. I mean that's it looks so simple when you see it done, but it's I I know it's not an easy process. It's that's definitely a, an acquired skill of you but- know p- putting those bands on the same way every time. You know what happened when I moved to the factory in '95, and I started working. At the same time, that's when NAFTA was being negotiated, right, mid '90s. Yep. And I, there was this whole movement called TQM, Total Quality Management in Spanish, Calidad Total. And I remember catching a video from this guy. And back then, you didn't get many videos. There was no YouTube, right? And the internet was brand new, so rarely you would find a good video that would make sense, and someone would send you an email, and that thing would take forever to download. And but the guy was, I think his name was Cornejo, something. But anyway, he, he was this Mexican guy and starts talking about and explains TQM in a way that I understood it much better, which basically he says, the last person who sees your cigars before your customer opens it is the person in, in packing. The person packing the cigar is the last person to see them. So that person has the most important job, right, in the, in the whole factory. But then the person who who puts the bands on the cigars is also the most important person because that person makes sure that all cigars are completely aligned. And he goes down the line and explains that every single step of the process is the most important part. If, you're, if your bunch doesn't make a good bunch and the cigar doesn't draw, then it's a bad cigar. So that person has the most important job. And so on and so forth. The guy who rolls, the guy who tests, the guy who supervises. making, And that's one culture we were able to, to really make it very uh, become part of our corporate culture at the factory that every single step that they do, they are the most important person in the whole process. That not one person is more important than the other, and they're all as important together. So there's a lot of pride. If you ever get one of our boxes, you can go, and if you're home, just go online and, and look at the, look at a picture of an open box. Our cigars are always perfectly aligned. That tissue paper, that's that, it is a pain. It's a lot of work. It's always perfectly aligned also, almost at the same level. You, I, I would challenge you to find any difference in any cigar in the same box, even the color as well. That's why we use women for these colors because they see colors a lot better than we do, than us men do. Uh, because, I mean, you just touched on something that, you know, for you maybe you didn't think about that much before, but it's something that crossed your mind. 
and just you know it's a huge part of what we do and it's a huge part of what we take pay attention to all the time every day yeah if you follow cla on instagram i'm pretty sure you guys post a lot of your own factory stuff going on putting bands on putting putting wrapper on putting boxes out right and and like you said you see the care and you see like every single thing lined up perfectly you've got different markers for each spot on the cigar and uh yeah it, it looks beautiful the presentation like I said it's just it's amazing when you open that box yeah thank you yeah man we do our we're, we're pretty open on our hold on one second we got someone walking in <laughs> we got someone walking in from from the gym <laughs> my, my, so i gotta make sure he's not so loud so yeah <laughs> Go on our Instagram pages, Psalm 13, CLE Cigar, and um, Eidoa Cigar, and Christian Eidoa. We're very candid. We're very open about how we do our processes. We show a lot of detail in our process. I don't mind sharing it. We show how we draw test every single cigar. We show how we do the bunch, which is a mixture between accordion and and tube. We show how we make the boxes. Although there's not that much interest from the boxes, which pisses me off because so much work goes into these boxes. But you see uh, a lot of it, we, we do some uh, fermentation, how we handle tobacco. But every step we go in there. So if you're ever just curious about how things are done, just go through any of these pages and um, spend some time. And, and you'll, you you will pick up a lot of things from how the tobacco is done. You know, I've noticed I, I haven't posted like three or four weeks. Man, because these people, Instagram, they keep changing the, their formulas. So, um, so and now we're trying to figure out some other different way to approach it. But uh, it, it is interesting to be able to share that because we couldn't do that. 10 years ago or 15 or 15 years ago, we couldn't do that. Now we can. So we're a lot more candid, a lot more open and we're working on some new things where we're, I want to be able to connect our, our the consumer directly with the factory. See if I can pull that off. Yeah. It's funny. I, awesome. I had, I had this, I had this observation that I made and it's funny to talk about this because, you know, my, this conversation with you, what I'm hearing is it kind of reinforces the point that I was making, which I wasn't making a big deal out of, but I was just, pointing something out there was a, a particular brand out there that's known for a much higher price point and um i noticed on several of their cigars their, their bands were like uneven or like they, you know they didn't meet they were like overlapped like this um and i and i made a post online and they didn't really like it but i had said hey you know not for nothing but like you know don't you think at that price point you should definitely have some some more hands-on quality control with, you know, the presentation of how the things are packaged. And of course, you know, they, they didn't like that, but Hey, you know, if, if Christian Aroa is out there doing it, you know, and he's selling his cigars, which are great, you know, and don't get me wrong. Uh, and you're selling cigars that you're asking three or four times the price on and, and he can get it done. Don't you think you can get it done too? That was the only point I'm trying to make. And, um, what else's name next? <laughs> would you say, <laughs> Stop with me because it's something you said, bro. <laughs> no, what'd you say? It froze there for a second. I didn't hear what you said. No, I'm saying use somebody else's name next time. I don't Oh, no, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, yeah, it was El Saptimo. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they didn't like that. So, yeah, <laughs> they didn't like that. Uh, but it's true. You know what I mean? It's, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's it, funny. It was. I think we gave. I think we gave a few other brands as as uh, examples. We were like, you know, you wouldn't find that on Davidoff. You wouldn't find it on CLE. You wouldn't find it on a few other brands we mentioned. And, and yeah, a lot they, of brands. They were like, yeah. oh. you know, it's, 
But, you know, I mean, it, I, I just want to say that just kind of proves a point. You know, Christian just kind of said it in his own words and how they do things at CLE. And it's like, hey, well, if he can do it, why can't you do it? I don't know. I don't know. That's just the way my mind works. Well, you know, <laughs> my, my approach is, is my approach. I had I had someone work with us. His name was Angel Diaz. Good, great, great kid. He did marketing for us. And I hired him because of this conversation. And he tells me, Chris, you know, I work in insurance. My, my, my job is not the most exciting job in the world. So I'll be there in my office. I'll go to lunch. I come back from lunch. I'll fool around my computer for a while and I'll look up a cigar and I'll read up on your cigar. And from one thirty in the afternoon to five thirty, all I can think about is your cigar as I'm driving over to the shop. If your cigar delivers, my day was worth it because I just spent the last five hours plus the next day thinking about what cigar I'm going to smoke next. If your cigar is disappointing, I'm really pissed off at you, and I don't want to taste your product ever again. So, you know, it really stuck to me what he was saying, that nobody accidentally goes into a cigar store. Everybody really wants to have an experience when they go into a cigar store, and I think the experience starts in the way the packaging looks. By the way, cigars look inside the box. They all have to match evenly inside the box. And then also, by the way, that cigar is presented to that person in the store. So if we you – know, I know Tom Lazuka hates you when I say this, but – I would love to cut down the amount of customers we have and be down to only 250, 260 customers. Customers that we know in the U.S., I mean, customers that we know that will take real good care of their customers when they come in, that they'll walk them to humidors, they'll explain this cigar, explain that cigar. And that way, the experience, nothing gets lost in translation. That They, they, they get presented the cigar and say, hey, you know, these people, that they do, they take this care of the wood, they do this for that. You know, they have their own clinic, they do the solar thing, they do this. They do all these different things just for you to enjoy this single cigar right now. And I really have to believe that that, that, that affects someone's experience when they're smoking a cigar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, No I mean, doubt. Ha- half of having a cigar is the experience. I mean, that's, you know, the cigar has to be good. And then and the story. And then the story and the, the experience around the cigar has to be good. It's it's a whole, it's a whole, um, why, why is the word, it's a whole package. It's a package deal um, when it comes to smoking a cigar. It's. It couldn't have been sent better, Christian. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Um, thank- really quickly, I just want to mention that tonight we are also cutting and lighting our cigars with accessories from our friends at SD DuPont. That's right, SD DuPont P Exceptional. I'm using the Defi Extreme Twin Torch Lighter in the new Petrol Blue format. This is a matte blue finish that is exclusive to the United States, and it debuted earlier this year. Um, I used my cutter already. It's on the other side of the table. Um, I'll dig it out. This is the brush copper. It's actually Nicole's cutter. I got the brush copper. Double blade guillotine cutter from ST DuPont. Um, as always, always reliable, great quality. It's what I trust my stuff with. Um, Christian, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you tonight specifically was, I, I know you guys have done a lot of new things and we've kind of talked about some of them but there's one thing in particular that you guys have done recently and uh the cigar is now available that is a little different you're using a new tobacco with and that is the sensorium um which i think is a phenomenal project i don't have it with me here um but we've heard a lot about it and i know that you are doing some events with it, if I remember correctly, in some retail stores, smoking it with the customers and kind of talking to them about this. Tell us a little bit about that project and kind of how it came to be. 
and uh, then we'll talk about you know some of the the tobaccos that are inside it as well that it, I I know is a big part of it. Yes, Nostorium is um, again I'm a traditionalist, right? I like I like if I'm gonna wear a tie, I won't wear a clip-on tie. If it's a tuxedo, I'll do the tie, you know, the bow tie. If I shoes, you got to tie the shoes. I like doing things the old-fashioned way. I don't right. like anything that that's. Uh, for example, I'm not a big fan. All right, let me rephrase that. I'm not all in with the, with the new hybrid seeds, the Corona 98, the Corona 99, the 2006, 2012. I like the way that the old seeds tasted, right? I like the way that the, 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 the authentic Corona seed, the one my dad grows, taste. I like the Victoria seed, the one we use in you know, first 20, old, old traditional seed. And the Sensorium is one that right now we're calling Pinareño. It was originally the, the original Cuban Criollo, and this is the one that came in the cans, the one that my dad has like 10 gallons of this crap. You know, now, you know, my dad's turning 86 in January. So now he starts telling all these stories and, and now they get even more and more interesting to me. Maybe he said it to me when I was 20 something. I didn't pay as much attention as he do now. Right. So we, we, he, he did the experience with Pinareño and I've been doing experience with Pinareño and some other farms that we started. You know, I started some farms in different areas also. And the way that this tobacco tastes is like nothing else. The taste is fantastic, and we use it in the sensorium. We don't have enough enough of that tobacco yet. We will have more of the tobacco coming up because that's all we're growing now. It, there's a farm in, in South America that I'm I'm probably about $895,000 into this farm already, developing. It's only 30 acres. It's not that big. But the tobacco that is beginning to produce is amazing. And right now it's only fillers. We're not at the level of binders or wrappers yet. And I'm using about 30% of that is this Pinarino seed. We use the tobacco in the sensorium. Sensorium was is very small run. The cigars were, I think, fifty to sixty US, and uh, and we make them in the individual coffins. The coffins themselves, the story about it, the, the way we we prepared the wood for that also. Because if you take those little coffins and you just crack it open and you smell it, it just gives you a taste like nothing else you've ever tasted. Because it's a mixture of that cedar with that tobacco, and if you smoke that sensorium, you can't buy the cigar, get into your truck. And drive three hours. That is cigar is for you to when you get home, you're gonna sit on a couch or get in a store, or go to a lounge, go to a restaurant after dinner, where no one's gonna bother you for two hours. That's the only way to smoke that cigar. All right, you can't do anything else while you're doing it. You gotta be in a vegetative state to really enjoy it. Because the flavor of peanut angel is incredible. And when you add to that the fact that we use reverse osmosis in our factory, all the water and in my father's fermentation, my fermentation too. We don't use and there are no minerals in our water. Everything's reverse osmosis. When you taste these cigars and you really want to get nitpicky, you start trying to feel the flavor and you feel that it's, it's a very clean flavor. So when you smoke one of those sensorial cigars, it's very clean. You'll feel that peanut and filler in there. And in the coming years, you'll start seeing more cigars that'll be 100% peanut and which are just going to completely, uh, they'll take you back to 1939, Cuba, is what, is what, we're, wow. trying, what we're trying to do. Now, the thing with that tobacco, if I remember correctly, it's also very susceptible to mold, which makes it difficult to grow and, and gain high yields out of. Yeah, blue, blue mold was the reason why Cuba stopped growing the authentic Corosi in 87. And I have to think they abandoned the, the, that Pinareño around, around the same time. Because they're very susceptible to blue mold. is that airborne fungus that tobacco gets when, when you get these drizzly days and it's chilly. And what blue mold does, it starts growing in the plant and you don't know six, until six or seven years later. Uh, I'm sorry, six to seven days later. Now, what makes Honduras different from a place like Connecticut 
Connecticut gets frost every year. So you can say that, that it kills that mold. In Honduras, we don't get frost. And matter of fact, this mold is so smart that it develops an antibody to all the different types of, of uh, fungicides you use on it. So it's always a very tricky thing, and it's on, we're on the control. We haven't lost tobacco, but we still get a little bit. But you have to really move your seasons around and the way you grew tobacco. So every, everything gets affected, and you dance around this, this blue mold. So we've been looking for areas that, that don't have that much blue mold or don't have blue mold at all yet. They will have it eventually, but don't have it now. So you, you try to make it work for six, seven, eight years until you get that, that mold, and you got to move on to the next place. So that's really the only way to combat that problem is to just try to find an area where there has a low blue mold risk. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. And you know, what happens when you start a new farm is, is uh, these tobacco barns, they're $50,000, dollars $85,000 each. So, and one barn is good for one acre. Yeah. You know, maybe two acres if you're really, really smart. So whenever you can do the experiments, there's no cheap way of doing it. It's not like, okay, let's throw some tobacco here. Let's throw some seeds out there and, uh, and we'll pick it up and then move on. You can't be like the gypsies. I mean, you gotta you gotta set roots wherever you go for a few years anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't just you can't just do something one off. I mean, we've talked about it before, and I'm sure you obviously can attest to this. I mean, just you know the whole manufacturing process, but even just the farming process is it's a lot of money up front. You know, it's a it's a commitment and it's an investment just to just to do that. And it's it's a lot just to to grow one time and then pick up and move everything else around and. So yeah, you want to put your roots down somewhere, but at the same time, you know that that blue mold issue is um, is something we haven't really talked a lot about, and I feel it doesn't get talked a lot about. But I know, um, I know it's an issue, and I know I know there's other tobaccos that are obviously susceptible to it. But um, oh, it, 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 would you say that there's there's other tobaccos that that just don't that just can can kind of fight that off more than others? Obviously, I mean, there's, no, they they've just been phased out. Uh, there were uh, these new hybrids were designed so that they wouldn't be affected by it. For okay. example, the Virginia varieties never got affected by it as strongly. So, a lot of the tobaccos were blended with Virginia. They would use Burley also to uh, to develop these new seeds. Which the seeds are great, man. They're really, really good. The problem is the tobacco is so good that everybody grows the same seed. Although the soil makes a difference in the taste, it's still the same variety that everybody buys. So you could go, you can have a cigar made, and you could have the one cigar made with Criollo '98 from Dominican. As wrapper and and growing 98 from Nicaragua as filler and and buying a growing 98 from so it's three different areas and cigar will taste different but it's still the same seed same characteristics and same, same color so and and the flavor could all very well be different but you know the um but so blue mold actually has not been a big subject and unfortunately for us you know when Daniel Rodriguez gave us the Corolla seed back in in the 90s or he gave it to my father yeah probably late 80s early early 90s. He also gave me, when I was a little older, I was 22, 23, he gave me the, the trademark. He goes, listen, trademark's yours. Do what you want with it. And that was probably 99 or 2000. I think it was uh, 28 or 29. When I went to register the trademark, the United States Patent and Trademark Office would not let me register that trademark. So that's why we can never protect that word, Coro. They said it was named after a region, just like you can't trademark Miami. I couldn't trademark that name. Now that I'm older, I would have been able to fight that a little better, and you would not see anybody else using the Corolla name. But it was really this seed on the Camacho Corolla that, that brought all this back to life. But the tobacco was, when you compare a Corolla plant was about five foot tall versus a Corolla 98 plant that's six and a half feet tall. One's giving you 1,500 pounds per acre. The other one's giving you 2,400 pounds per acre. Financially, 
it's a lot better decision to grow the Criollo, the Criollo 98 seed than the Corojo. But man, but the flavor in the Corojo is fantastic, just like it is with the Pinareño, right? So uh, you really have to like what you're doing and you have to enjoy it. It, it. it just, at some point, you have to forget about the profits and the profitability and what's best and not let accounts make the decisions for you, but you make the decisions for your customers according to your taste for your customers. Yeah, I mean, you, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's still a business, and you have to you have to keep the lights on, right? Isn't that what they always say? Um, but at the same time, you know, part of that is also creating new ideas and going down new paths, and it's one of the things I I have enjoyed, um, you know, watching and and smoking your stuff, and you know, everything you guys do is, you guys do try to think outside the box, uh, and you do pretty well with it. Um, you know, especially with the Asylum brand. I mean, I, I think the Asylum brand, I'm pretty sure you and Tom have said this too, it's kind of like your, I don't want to use the word experimental brand, but that's kind of like your brand that you use with all of your kind of really big ideas and you can really execute it there. And, you know, a, a lot of the things, I mean, you know, you've seen the April Fool cigar, um, which, by the way, I I know you guys said after, you know, the nine by ninety, you guys weren't going to go ten by a hundred, um, and then and then Agonorsa did it. They did. They did it. They did a ten by hundred <laughs> lunatic, and I was like, ah, oh, damn, what a missed opportunity. But no, not really. Listen, not really. <laughs> I was hoping you guys <laughs> would get there first. <laughs> no, listen, this is the dumbest thing. For some reason, it's like damn it. I think his name is Paul. Right? I think I don't know what Paul's title is. For some reason, he's got this thing with Azuka. Yeah, with Tom Azuka, <laughs> he just got this thing, and he just keeps. Poking out, I think it's hilarious. I, I've never met the guy. I mean, I, I know I know who he is, and I even asked to meet with him, say, and because I think it's funny. I think we could probably have a lot of fun doing it. So I think next year, what I might do is do the the hundred point one by ten point one. But it, this is the dumbest thing. Ever. <laughs> this whole thing with his brand is silly, which is great for us because anything they do it just brings the attention back on the side. So anything they do, which it just helps us. Makes make the lamp, the brand look a lot more interesting, right? Uh, but yeah, it's it's silly, man. So I might do the hundred point one by ten point one, just to have fun. You know, I I I would. I'm gonna be honest with you. I I really hope you do because I think that would be exciting to see. Um, and I would definitely I would definitely grab that cigar, and I'm sure it would probably take forever to smoke, but um, I I'd be up for the challenge. I know Coop's Coop's done the nine by ninety. I'm pretty sure. I think he did a couple of them. I think he reviewed it, if I remember correctly. Did he really? I think I he. I think he did. So. I think he smoked two of them. I think, and I'm pretty sure he said it took him like four hours. And I'm like, yeah. No, we did one. <laughs> we did one the PC. I don't know if you saw it. I posted on 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 Instagram with Shorty Rossi. We lit one up with him. That was hilarious. <laughs> I think he was a good sport, man. He said, "Hey, you want to light one?" He goes, "Yeah, sure." I feel like and I then did of course, see that. everybody's like, "No, we got to record this. We got to see it." <laughs> but he was a trooper about it, man. So, Cody uh, Rossi is awesome. You can fill a whole ashtray with one cigar, too. I mean, that's the other crazy part of it. You know, it's one cigar. That's a lot of ash. That cigar, one cigar weighs the same as two 70 by 7s. Exactly the same. Just like one 80 by 8 is two 60 by 6s. I don't know how the math adds up. I'm sure there's someone out there that can do the quick calculation for us. Quote the math. Nice. So, 80 by 8 is two 60 by 6s. And 190 by 9 is 270 by 7s. Exactly. Wow. Wow. And I know that we've um, we've talked a lot about the other, the other thing that I, I like to bring up, too, just because I always try to work these things into the shows when I can. 
you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, PCA, FDA, legislative stuff. And I, I know that there's been there's been talks of, of things that, you know, people want to implement into into regulations. And uh, one of the things at one time was, oh, we're going to we're going to tax by weight of the product. And I think immediately when people hear that, they look right at you like, huh, what about those guys? Because uh, you guys are known for making some pretty big cigars, uh, which is kind of a scary thought um, when you think that, you know, you buy a you have a box of, you know, eight by eighties or six by eighties, you know, some big cigars like that. And now they're being taxed by weight and that's going to significantly impact those cigars versus like a standard box of, you know, five by fifty twos. Well, that's the British system. British, British system has that. Oh, yeah, the British, they do do that. Oh, I wasn't, I didn't know. Yeah. That. And uh, Hong Kong does the same system also. Uh, there are a few countries. If they had, if the British were there, they use that kind of system. It's silly, man. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the bridge even came up with this process called expansion, which is you moisten the tobacco, then you put it in, the, in, the, in a vacuum and suck by the air, and the tobacco flake goes from this size to this size. And you pick up a pack of cigarettes like that, it weighs absolutely like a paperclip, the whole pack. But uh, yeah, listen, man, it, the problem is our industry is so small that for us to be able to lobby effectively against a Philip Morris is, is impossible. Mm-hmm. We've had some really good victories in the U.S., and uh, and Europeans are completely different. Europeans are they don't lobby the way we do here. You can't go to your representative in France and say, "Hey, man, hey Pierre, I don't like this. We got to change it." You know, pretty much in in Europe is this is a new law, okay? So you got to start, and it's ridiculous. Like, all right, March sixteenth at two twenty-two in the afternoon, the new law goes into place, and that's it, man. At two twenty-three, March sixteenth, you're following the new rules, and uh, just a whole different system. I know it's Mitchell. For, it's hard for us to deal with, and the cities and lobby doesn't exist. We can't go there, and and yeah. ask for, for different treatment. And Mitchell, who lives in Canada, has pretty much told us that's exactly what happened in Canada. It's just no, there was no lobbying, there was no, you know, no pushback, well, and they just, you know, were able to push a lot of their laws and regulations and, and tax increases. Yeah, thanks a lot, Mitchell. <laughs> I know everything yeah, should be blamed on the Canadians, anyways. <laughs> Keep your regulations in your own yard. God. Yeah, we, we try. <laughs> we try. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, it's 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 something I, I always try to remind people, you know, that this is this is why we have PCA and, and CRA. And... You know, and now we have yeah, bro. It's a good organization. CRA is great. The CAA is great also, and there's a tremendous need for them. And we got to keep going. Now we got the new one about the the, the flavors. See what's going to happen with flavors. And we're just now launching you know, with um, Bill and the guys at Deadwood. We developed a, a cigar for Deadwood. Oh, nice. Which, of course, ended up becoming this whole this whole thing with Drew Estate. So we changed the name to Asylum 867. And that's going to be out in a couple of weeks, probably. I think we start shipping it called the... the uh, but it was designed by the guys at Deadwood. for, um, And they were selling it for like three four years. But then, um, you know, we, we had uh, conversations. And Drew Estate, of course, had issues with that name. And that's up for yeah. them to decide. I, we, had good, we had some good meetings, I thought. Obviously, some meetings you need a third party to decide, right? So... Um, I kind of pulled out of that. They're dealing with their own issues, and and we ch- just changed the name to Asylum Eight Six Seven on that product. But that'll be out. That cigar is gonna be awesome. It's got three different ones, and then we got the the Asylum Cool Brew, so it'll be a fourth one. So we're gonna experiment with these because, like you said, Asylum is Asylum for us is like Jack Daniels. Asylum is something that I can imagine, obviously, pretty similar in comparison. When the guys in Jackass they sit there and they talk about the stunts. 
that's pretty much Tom and I talking about asylum. All right, let's see how stupid we can get and that we can make a cigar and still make it smokable and people will like. And that's pretty much the way we plan that brand. And it works. I, I think I think you can tell that with the end product that we have a lot of fun working with that brand. We really enjoy dealing with that brand. Yeah, it was funny. You, you just mentioned, I was going to ask you about this too, and you already kind of dropped the name there. Um, on the Is it the cold brew or the cool brew? Cool. Cool brew. That's right. I, I think cold brew yes, because sir. of the coffee, but I'm like, something tells me uh, the cool brew. Now, that was another cigar that we saw at debut at PCA this year. Um, you guys brought all sorts of things to that show. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about, for, for those who don't know, tell, talk a little bit about the, the cool brew project and, and kind of what makes that stand out. Listen, man, this is, this is the point in the interview where, where I pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I'm just going to be completely honest. That is Lazuka's baby, 100%. And I would never touch it. I couldn't even come close to explaining it to you. And that'll be something, hopefully you can bring him on it. And um, I was going to say we got to get we'll Tom pick on that one for him, for him to talk about. Fair I enough. I hate to tell you something that's that's not even close to what it is. It's It really is his creation. It's his baby. And uh, I would never even dream about dream, you know taking credit or, or try to explain something that came out of his mind. Fair enough, and Tom's a great guy, so I let him uh, let him have his thunder. Um, we got to make sure we just get him back on the show, though. Um, well, I make cigars we... for normal people, bro. That's my <laughs> and 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 Tom doesn't. Is that what you're saying? Tom makes it for, for <laughs> the carnies, for the geeks, for the you know for, for those kinds of people. That that's the Duke. It's all right. You need that balance. You need that balance. Um, the uh, I had a couple of I, I had a question here from the audience, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, John had said earlier in the show, can Christian explain how they are probably the most green company in the industry? Ah, you know, so so many years ago, we started the, this whole um, clean up at the factory. And I, I went to visit Stella Padron, who used to run the Villas on Factory. He used to make Royal Monterey and Punch in Honduras. And Estella Padron was Rolando's brother. And Estella was, to me, he and Rolando Reyes, the best manufacturers ever. Uh, period. That's it. No no one else. So, And his factory was so clean and so organized that I went back to my factory. I realized how dirty we were. So I started this whole cleanliness thing. And, you know, in, in my early, late 20s, early 30s, I suffered from OCD. I don't know why. It just real bad. So I started this whole kick about picking things up and organizing things. And the same was true at the farm. To the point that about seven, eight years, seven, eight years later, some people from Bayer, we know them as aspirants, but Bayer is actually very big in, in crop science and agricultural. Okay. They came from Germany. They came to see our operation. We didn't know, but they, we had been already four or five years going through a process to them, through, through an internal process with them, and they came and they certified our operation which is uh, no impact on the environment. You know, my father's had the irrigation drip system in that farm since 1996. So um, we had zero impact. We weren't consuming that much water. And then also our factory, we said, like, all the wood that we buy is from controlled forests. You know, our operation now is solar. We're 54% solar, and that's the max that we can go at until until Honduras starts buying power back from us that we can probably go 75 80% going solar. Hey, um, we're using a, the next step we're doing now. We're doing a rain collection system all over the factory. So all the water that we use, or so we don't waste any of the rainwater that we have access to, we can capture as much as we can. And I already mentioned something about the reverse osmosis. 
And one of the farms, I'm starting one extra farm in Honduras and probably another one in 2024. But the one I'm starting in Honduras this year, 2023-2024, is one that I'm able to partner with. It's a 5,000-acre forest, and we're planting 70, 70,000 trees every year. And the whole point is to, I want to get into the millions of trees. I want to get to a point, see even, even if I can get consumers involved and cigar stores involved also, where they can start adopting parts of, parts of the terrain so they can all become a part of it. Because we are very destructive. Our industry is extremely destructive to, to, uh, to forests. We do consume a lot of wood. And it wasn't just making the boxes, but also when, when in the 60s when they were clearing the lands to right. make these farms. So we got to pay back somehow. And it wasn't just tobacco. It was corn and you know, different products that were being grown at the time. But we, I want to make sure we give back as much as we can. And I think, I think I can. We're in a position to do it. Why not do it? Plus, we also have our own doctors in the factory, own doctors in the farm. Bayer helps us out, outreach the community to help everybody and go to their homes and teach people how to be more hygienic at their homes. And now my next venture for 2024, 2025 will be a breast cancer center. We, we kind of help the breast cancer center Honduras now. I don't do enough. But next year, I want to do a lot more and maybe even open up one in Dan Lee because uh, the level of education is very, very low in Honduras when it comes to breast cancer. Uh, I can imagine. I mean, it's, and it's very scary stuff, too. And, you know, we're, we're lucky here in the U.S., you know, with, with the health care. And, and even I know the health care laws are different, but, you know, in, you know Canada and you know, other countries, you know, fortunate. But, you know, a lot of those countries, um, yeah, they don't they don't have all the things that, you know, we're fortunate to have. Um so yeah, whatever help can be provided to them is, is is is, you know, more precious than gold. I think. I agree. Um, I agree. And so it, it's really awesome you guys do that, and it's nice that you think about, um, you know, your environment, the 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 community that you're a part of, and I know you guys have been down there for a long time, and you know, and, and you mentioned about giving back too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great, and uh, I'm I'm glad John brought that question up because, um. For sure. Yeah, no, that was that was a great question. Yeah, thank you, John. Yeah, we're also and, and this year also we're probably gonna eliminate I don't know what the exact math is, probably fifty five to sixty percent of all the paint. We're gonna eliminate a lot of this a lot of this stuff also. We're gonna do we're doing a lot more things to be a lot a lot cleaner. And the right, you know, we change processes also to consume a lot less electricity. Because you have to, man, and plus it's cheaper to do it. Yeah, that's true too, you know. You save yourself some money too, you know. Uh, energy costs and whatnot, you know, and, and, and I know other manufacturers, you know, they've, they've come on, they've, they've talked about uh, similar topics and things that they've done to, to be cleaner or just to be more efficient, you know, with, with, you know, like water, electricity and stuff like that is, you know, it is, it is important. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, people talk about that stuff as well. Um, right. It, it gets overlooked a lot. It does. So, uh, you know, hats, hats off to you for, uh, for, uh, you know, making that such a big part of what you do. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've talked a lot about Asylum tonight, obviously. We've talked about Sensorium. Uh, we've talked about, you know, a lot of that other stuff. Um, on the CLE slash Aroa front, um, I know that we, we saw your, we saw the, you know, Mitchell smoking the, is that the uh, the CLE exclusive? The yeah, CLE. That's the CLE. You had an Aroa exclusive. You had an Asylum exclusive. Um, you know, we saw the Sensorium. We saw the, the Cool Brew um, just please refresh my memory because it's hard to remember all of it. Was there anything else that we saw from CLE or ROA at the trade show outside of the PCA exclusives? No, the, the, the focus of the trade show this year was 
was uh, Asylum and the Packaging Change. Of course, we have the Asylum 12, which comes out once a year. That one we do right. one one blend per year. We started, the first one was number seven. So now it's seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So we got five already done, or six, I'm sorry, six already done. And uh, you know, next year at the trade show, now I'm trying to figure out what to do if, if I should exhibit the 13 next year or at the trade show or just exhibit 12 because of course the trade show switched now to March is no longer in July. So, uh, so we had that, that cigar there and for it we didn't do anything new last year. We want to keep all the attention on, on asylum. It we had, we did have the PCA exclusive, really, really good cigar. Uh, that cigar was, was a beautiful cigar. It tasted great, very creamy, very sticky. I like the way I, I really enjoyed that cigar a lot. And this year in 2024, you're going to see a lot out of CLE. You see something I think you can enjoy. Yeah, you know, CLE has one cigar in it called the the Habano. It's the one with the orange one, with yeah. the orange uh, orange tissue. What makes the cigar so special? All right, so that one's an Habano wrapper. Habano, the Corojo, the Connecticut, and the Habano on CLE, they're exact same cigar. All we do is change the wrappers on it. Now, the Habano has the Habano wrapper. In Europe, it's called the Criollo because we can't use the Habano name over there. That cigar went... When Cubans began to disappear from Europe, that cigar replaced the Partagas Series D number four. Right? I didn't do it on purpose, just the way it happened. The Celia Bano is such a sleeper for us. And, you know, mostly, of course, it's my fault because it was stuck in between the Corojo, it was stuck in between the Connecticut. But when you look at the CLEs and what's coming up now, that's one cigar. If, if, you were, if we were picking stocks, I would say pick that cigar and start focusing a lot on that cigar. I think it's one of those cigars that doesn't get the attention that it deserves, but I think it'll be a game changer. And if you put that cigar in your rotation, you'll be pleasantly surprised on how good those cigars are, especially the Habano, especially the Habano. And then the Eiroa, you know, my favorite in the batch is the Eiroa Dark. I don't make that many of them. But Eiroa, we have the Eiroa Classic, which is the authentic Coral Seed. And then we have the Eiroa CBT, which is the wrapper, binder, filler, or Maduro in that one. And then the, the Eiroa First 20 in Colorado. I mean, it's, it's just so many good cigars, and each one they it are. is. I, I can't really tell you. It, it, it all depends on the mood I was in when I blended them, right? But they're all really, really good cigars. Yeah, that 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 first twenty, Claro. I mean, that was one of the first cigars I ever had, um, and I remember I smoked it and I was like, "Wow, this is really good." And this is back before I kind of knew stuff, and uh, you know, I was at the time I was smoking a lot of different things, so I was smoking just all sorts of tobacco and, and so I was just trying to you know get my my hand on stuff and just try to experience different flavors and all that but I remember I got to a point when I hadn't smoked that cigar for quite a while and I, I at this point I was I was a lot more experienced and I was in a shop and I did have been two guys and I said oh you know I haven't had one of these row of first 20s in a while I'm gonna I'm gonna have one I remember this being so good and I remember I smoked it it was crazy because again, this that was probably like one of like the first three premium, real premium, handmade cigars I'd ever had, and um, I remember smoking it then and having such a whole new appreciation for it, and it was oh, yeah? even more flavorful than I remembered. And I think it was because I, I first smoked it and I enjoyed it because it's good, and I but I didn't have a lot to compare it to. And then I revisited it when I had a lot of other things, and I appreciated it more. And I was like, "Wow!" And I just remember picking up on the cedar notes so much more on that cigar than I did. The, I, I remember smoking it, and be like, "Wow!" I don't remember picking up 
the amount of cedar off of it from the box and the wood. Um, and I, and, and I really liked it. And I was like, I don't even remember this the first time, but like now that I've kind of, you know, traveled around my palette with different stuff, it really popped out a lot more. And I was like, wow, this cigar is just even better than I originally remember. And it's always been a staple in, in, in my collection. Um, you know, and I smoke them from time to time. And I, I, I've always found that, I mean, you're right. You make a lot of great cigars, but that cigar in particular, um, I think just might be one of the best cigars that you make. And I think it also might be flavor wise, one of the most unique because, um, just that flavor, man, I, I, I can, I can, I can taste that flavor in my brain. Um, just thinking about it. And I know that cigar and I could smoke that cigar blind and I could, and I would know that's what it was. Um, just a fantastic cigar. And it's, it's a cigar that I, I recommend to people, you know, a lot when, you know, I introduce them to, you know, your brand and the tobaccos that you use. And I think more people should try that cigar if they haven't. It's, it's, it's you know, the idea started back in 96, 97 when I saw, first time I saw a Cohiba cigar in a store in Germany. And I remember the Cubans processed the wrappers in a way that the color is beautiful, man. Just that reddish color. Right. So for many years, but Camacho could never do it because Camacho was always sold so quickly. It was very hard. So um, I was able to do it, slow things down because I always want those cigars. I don't rush it. If I have it, I have it. I don't have it. I don't worry about it. It's not, we don't really use it as, it's not a business cigar for me. It's just a cigar that I enjoy making and, and we have, we have, we don't, we don't. So I took the second, second primings, second and third primings, fermented it very slowly, and we got that Colorado color. And the reason I box press it, because one trick about box pressing, box pressing makes wrappers look pretty. That's the trick. And um, that's why I box press that cigar, because I really want to highlight those wrappers. So and that's what makes that cigar so special. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I've – smoked, I've smoked pretty much everything out of all the cigars you make, and I've – that one probably is my number one um, by far. I mean, it's just, again, I think it's such, it's such a special cigar. Um, and I remember I remember the first time I smoked it, it was like, oh, it's just a light went off. And then, you know, coming back to it again and again and again, it's just that light still goes off. And, uh, you know, this, in my experience, and I'm, everyone's different, you know, there's cigars you find you like, and you don't necessarily not like them, but, you know, your palate changes. We talk about that. You know, your palate can change, and you, one day, you know, you're really into this kind of tobacco, and you smoke it for a while, and then, you know, your palate changes, and you, you maybe you find a more a sweeter tobacco that you really enjoy, or, you you know, it changes to, a, to a, a more spicier tobacco or a peppery tobacco or whatever it is. Uh, your palate can change. I, I've experienced it myself a lot, um, sometimes drastically, sometimes subtly, but no matter where I am with my palate at any time, that's one of very few cigars that I could pick up, and none of that matters. It's just, no, th this, this cigar is going to be good, and I'm going to like this tobacco no matter what. Um, and I don't know what it is, but that that cigar has always been high on my list of, of favorites. Thank you. It's Corojo, baby. It's, That's what it is. It is. It's, it's magical. It really is. It's, 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 it's magical. You guys do a great job with that tobacco down there, and I think that's, um, you know, we talk about heritage and stories, and I think that, that Corojo tobacco, I mean, the, the Aroa family, I mean, you guys have, um, you know, really made that a, a staple of, of your story, too, which I think is great. Um, Thank you. 
Mitchell, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to leave you out. I didn't know if you uh you had any questions that you wanted to, to get in for Christian. I know I've been kind of doing. Yeah, that. I think <laughs> I think one of the more more uh the more recent things that you guys have shipped out um and that you presented at PCA, but we I don't think we really touched on it today. Uh, it's a limited production. I think it's the CBT fifty one in honor of your fifty first birthday. Oh, that's uh, right. Pretty pretty crazy vitola on that if. If I'm correct, a 50 by 10. How could I forget um, that? Those cigars are big. Which, which is know, you know, again, it's it's pretty <laughs> cool. What what went into that? And like you and like uh, I think you mentioned on some of the press releases that it was kind of like a secret project that you didn't really want to tell too many people about. And uh, has that already hit stores? I know it was shipping out last month. I assume it's, Bro, it's listen, gone man. into stores or that cigar was still shipping. I didn't even know about it because it was my 50th birthday. And it was the tenth year of the company, so the marketing guys got together with, with the factory, and they made this cigar. And of course, fifty ten makes sense. And then that, then, then that was the Eagle Classic, and this year became the fifty ten or the CBP fifty one. So the same mm -hmm. shape, same size. And we, we used to do this. Uh, we rent, used to rent out eight for the night and celebrate my birthday when I was nice. And that's the cigar that would be handed out, which is kind of cool, man. I'm real glad. Uh, I don't often get very, I don't very often get surprised, so I really enjoy that they did that for me. That was a very touching moment when they introduced that cigar, and the cigar is great. And it, it, yeah, it did start shipping. Shipped to some stores. And we only had, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 stores that, that went to that, that evening. We didn't invite that many people. So um, I think everybody bought two or three people from that store. So yeah, those cigars, you'll, you'll see them uh, in some stores once in a while. But they're really fantastic cigars. It's really, really long. The flavor stays very consistent throughout. It will give you some complexities through the whole journey. But it really is a great cigar, especially the fact that it's a 50 ring gauge. It's not that hard to smoke. Mm -hmm. No, it's, yeah, not, getting, it's not. Yeah. I'm getting to the end of this kind of guy here and at 5x50. I don't know if I mentioned that I, I'm smoking the 5x50, but um, yeah, nice, consistent throughout the whole thing. Through that middle section, that cedar and creaminess really ramped up. I, I got a lot of that cedar and creaminess through the middle of the cigar. But really nice balance. Through the end here, I'm finding the retro is um, starting to pick up in strength a bit. Maybe like a little bit more pepper on the retro, and uh, but not bitey at all. It, you can you can retro it no problem. So really enjoying this. All right. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm watching the time, and I know we're getting towards the end of the show, so I, I I'm gonna uh, just try to be conscious of that. Um, but first of all, Christian, I want to say thank you for being here tonight. Because uh, I appreciate Dude, you coming on the show, and I appreciate your time. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. <clears throat> one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, and I've been asking a lot of manufacturers this, especially manufacturers who I know have just they've they've had a they've had a busy couple of years, and and I know that they probably have a lot coming forward. And I know you've said twenty four. We're going to see a lot more stuff too. With the trade show moving uh, from July up to March, um, how has that affected your release cycle, your production? And were you able to make good adjustments by anticipating that move? Or was it something that kind of caught you off guard and you guys kind of had to scramble to move everything around to have things, you know, ready for the, the trade show in, in 24? Well, historically, even, even back in the Camacho days, we always launched product the first quarter of the year because production curve throughout the year is this. And then demand curve goes like this, right? So it starts climbing. This is March, April. July and it goes down in September, October starts slowing down. So we always launched the products at the beginning of the year to make sure that we could plan a production accordingly. 
So for us, be, be, despite besides just having get the booth ready faster, we didn't go through that many um, that many changes. And I think our stores are going to benefit a lot more because now instead of receiving the products in October, November, when the season is already going down, they'll be able to get the products in July, June, July. <laughs> they'll be yeah. able to get the products in July, where uh, we hit it right at the center of the peak business for for the industry and for most of our customers. So no, man, it really wasn't that disruptive for us. I'm glad for 20 years, 20 something years, we've been talking about moving the trades for the first quarter of the year. We finally did it and we'll see what happens. It's, it's really interesting to see how, how the market responds to it. Uh, so, you, so you think that this will be a, a huge, a huge benefit to production and to the customers getting their products? I think so. Yeah. I think because I, I think so. And I think the, the, the retail is going to benefit and the customer is going to benefit. Because one thing that was happening also, so as we, 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 we get to the top part of the industry, this when companies need to hit their second and third quarter sales. So what they were doing was companies were issuing these crazy specials before the trade show would start. So retail stores stopped going. When retail stores stopped going to the trade show, they start missing out on new information. Right. And we as an industry, we, we stopped promoting new products and stopped using the trade show as the tool that it needs to be. But now that the industry... Is going to be when as the cycle starts increasing, I think more retailers will go to a trade show. I think us as manufacturers will be able to share a lot more information, more willingly and more aggressively. And I think as as a whole, the industry is going to benefit a lot more. That's my theory, and maybe that's just my optimistic theory, but I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Now I know that obviously with that trade show moving, uh, it puts it within, I want to say, just under two months of the TPE show, which I know you guys also have been attending um, in recent memory. Now, do you still plan on to exhibit at both shows, or is it more yes, where we're all in a PCA? No, TPE was great to us. We got a lot of good customers that go to TPE. And uh, it remains to be seen, right, what, what, what the response is. We've always done, again, since probably 2001, 2002, I always do my price increases February 1st. So TPE fits right there at the beginning of the year before the price increase. So TP, we've always got a big pool of TP. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just, we just did it that way. And we just got lucky that TP came in in those days. So no, I don't, I'm not too worried about TP. Well, I think TP will be just as successful as it was before. And it's a different kind of customer that goes to TP. You weren't getting the core of the retailers going to TP. You did have some, especially California guys were going a lot of them. And so the, the main distributors were still going to both. And the main catalog internet companies were going to both. So, um, I mean, yeah, listen, it, it's it's up in the air what's going to happen exactly. I do think that the results are going to be very similar from both trade shows. That's my opinion. But hmm. we'll see. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if it works, I, I think if it works for you, then it, I, that's great. I know, you know, talking to a lot of people, it's been very mixed. It's some like, yeah, no, we'll do both. Some have been like, well, I think only one makes sense. So it, it's, it's just been interesting. It's been interesting to, to kind of see how that whole – scenario has affected every every brand and um and how everyone's kind of you know planning 2024 um with that move and how it affects everything else that they do um but no it's great and you know i think there's a chance we'll be at tpe so we might see you there if not i'll definitely see you i'll see you at pca for sure uh and mitchell Mitchell probably will too um so we do look forward to that swinging by the booth and uh checking out what you guys got but that's gonna do it for our show tonight, Christian. I, I, uh, I appreciate. Do we, do we have any news for tonight, Matt? Oh shit! I forgot all about that. Damn it.
Thanks for remi- thanks for reminding me at the end of the show, Mitchell. You know, I know. I'm sorry. I tried. I tried to get it in a little earlier, but the co-host we, we, is supposed to remind. You know, we, we went off into these tangents and such great conversation with Christian. You know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to uh, to want to want to break that up sometimes. You know, it's it's it, 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 you know, and it's on me too. You know, my I'm, I've been very spacey today. It's been a crazy day. I've had things going on in so many different directions. I that's on me. I apologize. But yes, we do have news. I, I will I will read I will read the news. Uh, before we sign off tonight. So our news is once again brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars, featuring the McAuliffe Black, rated 91 at SmokingTobacco.com. McAuliffe Black, it's a blackout. A um, couple of new things here are from our friends at J.C. Newman. Obviously, love to talk about them. Um, J.C. Newman and the Leroy Neiman Foundation ship the Leroy Neiman 2023 Collector's Edition Cigars. We saw these at the trade show early, earlier this year. Uh, this is a special project. Uh, that J.C. Newman has embarked on for the Leroy Neiman Foundation. For those who don't know who that is, he was an artist from Tampa, Florida. Um, today, J.C. Newman Cigar Co. and the Leroy Neiman and the Janet Byrne Neiman Foundation will begin shipping the Leroy Neiman 2023 Collector's Edition cigars to 177 of the leading premium cigar retailers in the United States. This new cigar is a collaboration between America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker and the foundation of the late iconic cigar-smoking American artist Leroy Neiman. All profits are being donated to support arts education in Tampa's public schools. Um, this is really cool. You can go to SmokingTobacco.com to read more about this if you're interested in this, to get more information about the cigar, where you can find it. Um, but also just to check it out. I mean, the packaging on this is really, really beautiful. Uh, like I said, we got to see this up close firsthand at the trade show uh, we got to talk to drew newman about it um and i know that this is a this is a, a really special project for them and for um the neiman family as well and uh I, i'm pretty sure that this will be an annual holiday release although i don't remember for sure um i know this is obviously its debut um but great stuff there's that there's also i'll read another one off to you it's been um it's been an interesting news week drew estate has announced another league of bravado that's correct Drew Estate announces exclusive for Casa de Monte Cristo, the Liga Privada Unico Porchetta. Um, not the Pancetta, which is also a Liga Privada that is made. Um, the Porchetta, drawing inspiration from the traditional Italian roasted pork dish known for its rich layers and savory seasonings. This cigar is crafted to evoke a similar complexity in its flavor profile. Liga Privada Porchetta is exclusively available at Casa de Monte Cristo brick and mortar locations. Um... It is a 6x46 box-pressed Bellicoso. Um, the cigar is a feast for the senses, much like its namesake dish. The savory essence of the porchetta, which it, with its layered flavors, is mirrored in the cigar's robust palate, offering enthusiasts an intricate, depth-driven smoking experience. So, now, Matt, I, is, is the, uh, the porchetta, is this the first Liga Provada with the box press? No. No, no, there's there, one. There was, there was, and I believe it was discontinued. But there was a number nine Drew Estate diplomat uh, retailer uh, uh, box pressed version of the number nine. Okay. For diplomat retailers, which, probably, I, which I'm pretty sure is my time before I was smoking New World stuff. Um, I think it only or got just, dis- or it, just way, way too, way too limited for me to even know up here in Canada that, about it. Really, that probably. I, I think they discontinued it last year. But I remember okay. they. I remember that it was. It was one of the cigars that was on that that big list of all the stuff they discontinued. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, they've they've done a box press Liga before. And that's what this I thought of when I read this. Yeah. No. And I and maybe and you know, hey, maybe that's 
you know, maybe they, hey, they wanted to kind of make it room for back. it. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely not been the first time. But that was the news for this week. Um, sorry I did it so late. I Again, I, I completely just it just lost my mind there. Hey, we got it in. With our conversation. But thank you for reminding me eventually, Mitchell. I, I appreciate it. You know, we didn't. Um, Live oh, from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston. But uh, anyway, that was uh, that's our news from McAuliffe Cigars. Christian, thank you again for being here tonight. I really appreciate night, it. Good night, Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's always great to see you and talk to you. Guys, don't forget to... Like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and everywhere you can get your podcasts. And as always, don't forget to go to SmokingTobacco.com for more news, reviews, and cigar industry updates. And with that, we'll see you next week. Take care. Have a good night. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smoking Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokingTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.